0: mystery, the enigma, and the anomalous. That would be the monoliths we've been experiencing the last month and a half. These strange monoliths popping up practically overnight out of thin air. No one knows where they came from, what they mean, what it's trying to tell us, who put it there, or where they go after a couple of days when they just Up and vanish And then reappear in a completely different area of the world I'm Neil Parks Welcome to the holiday special I'll be discussing just the monoliths this episode The strange anomalous monoliths Try saying that three times fast Now, the crazy thing about this enigma Brings to mind Arthur C. Clarke's Space Odyssey Monoliths in that film were machines Built by an unseen extraterrestrial species In the series of novels that the movie is based on Three monoliths are discovered in the solar system By hominids and humans The response of the characters to their discovery Drives the plot of this series And it has something to do with space and time evolution, and signs. Now, could these monoliths be something attributed to, I don't know, some kind of mass cure from some unknown financial backer who's created these strange anomalies that give off frequencies that actually are helping to heal the COVID pandemic? Because these things are giving off some strange vibe They're giving off frequencies And interfering with equipment that relies on magnetism And different types of waves That being radio waves um, Magnetic waves, microwaves Cell phone technology Instruments on equipment that is, is used to Determine pinpoints and frequency Uh information coming to and from and these monoliths are giving off that type of frequency and no one can identify what it's trying to say or who the hell put it there i'm neil parks i'm your host for paranormally speaking and the rest of this episode as i said will be dealing with the enigma of the monoliths so buckle up hold tight It's going to be an interesting ride. I may take you to the outer realms of this galaxy with the information I'm about to present to you. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction. Mysterious monoliths are appearing across the world Here is what we know We don't know where the mysterious monoliths are coming from But we do know that they are creating quite a stir Both online and when just talking with people about current events Into the fiery plague-ridden nightmare scape of 2020 Like a gift from some benevolent higher being has come a source of true wonder and delight. The wandering monoliths of Utah, Romania, California, New Mexico, and now England. The monoliths are long vertical slabs of metal, each 10 to 12 feet tall. They appear with no warning and disappear just as quickly. First, the one was in Utah in the desert, which emerged on November 18th, and then suddenly vanished on November 27th. The second one appeared outside of the Romanian city of Piatra Nimt, which appeared on November 27th and disappeared on December 2nd. So the same day that the one in Utah disappeared, it then reappears all the way in Romania. Then it disappeared on December 2nd. The third one at the top of Pine Mountain in Etascaria, California, which appeared on December 2nd, the same day that the one in Romania disappeared. It disappeared December 3rd, and then reappeared the next day, December 4th. This was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The fourth one appeared on December 7th, But then disappeared the same day it actually appeared They look like alien artifacts in part That's because they are heavily reminiscent of the monoliths In Stanley Kubrick's film Sci-fi classic 2001 A Space Odyssey Where vast black monoliths are deposited by aliens To guide human beings from one stage of evolution to the next Kubrick or no Kubrick all four, well now five, of these real-life monoliths are eerie. No one knows whether another will suddenly appear or whether it too will vanish into the night. We know very little about these monoliths at all. In fact, that seems to be part of their point. They are beautifully inexplicable phenomenons and prove that the world still contains marvels. The monolith timeline. The first monolith, as I said, was discovered in November in a remote desert canyon in Utah's Red Rock Country. A helicopter crew counting bighorn sheep noticed a flash of metal looming up from the ground and flew down to investigate. There it was, deeply embedded in the red rock of the canyon floor, an enormous smooth metal triangular prism just standing there. What the heck is that? One of the workers muttered in a video released by the Utah Department of Public Safety. Okay, the intrepid explorers go down to investigate this alien life form and other cracks. Now, the interesting thing that springs to mind, strange anomalies like this popping up. I remember it was a week before the September 11th attacks in 2001. I was still in college at this point, and down the road from me are the serpent mounds, which is an earthwork phenomenon mixed with an ancient native American site. The indigenous people that inhabited this land before the white man stole it. And across the road from where the serpent mounds are set up is this field That yeah it's attributed to the Serpent Mounds but it is private property Was discovered Through sonar technology And An aerial x-ray that was taken This huge Metallic Circle embedded in the ground Almost like a miniature wall They said it wasn't a solid object It was a round Looked almost like a stargate based on The images from the sonar And they took some samples of it and discovered that it predated the Bronze Age. Now for some kind of metallic object to predate the Bronze Age and be buried so far into the ground out in the middle of nowhere near a sacred Native American site leaves many questions unanswered. It too gave off a frequency, a certain pitch uh, that could be heard through Equipment used to measure pitch and frequency and any kind of radio waves to and from an object. And this was giving that off. So they removed it from the area where it was resting underground. And then a week later, the September 11th attacks happened. You never hear anything else about this strange metallic anomaly that was buried in the ground That is just as weird and unexplained as these monoliths. And to this day, no one has any more information on it. Other than a few newspaper articles that were floating around. Some sonar and x-ray images. And the words of eyewitnesses who were on the site of the excavation. This same area in 2003. Directly across the road from the serpent mounds in a similar field that was down the same road, appeared in soybean fields. The most bizarre geometric pattern within a crop formation that I myself had ever seen appear in North America. And this was in 2003 and groups of experts came to investigate that. Take samples of the soil, take samples of the crop. That was affected by the extreme heat that was used to push down these crops. Now, the the thing about a crop formation or a crop circle, whatever you want to call it, if it is legit and not man-made, the crops are going to be swollen from exposure to heat and hanging over, not snapped or broken, where they appear to be stepped on or broken to form... Uh, Geometric pattern or a circle. It's usually when they're fake; they're just circles, and they're not even perfect cylindrical circles. Uh, they're off. They look almost like an egg from an aerial view. But these were geometric patterns, and there is a device that calculates these geometric patterns and breaks it down and finds things coded within these crop formations, these forms, these geometry equations. That's technically what they are. And when you break it down, you find different musical notes, different codes, passages, uh, different writings embedded in the way these geometric patterns are spelled out. And I'm wondering if these monoliths are trying to tell the same story or are from the same source. And I mentioned earlier my crackpot theory. What if somehow these monoliths are being placed by some upper echelon group using science and frequency and pitch and technology to cure COVID-19. And they're placing these in areas to try and eradicate the plague, the pandemic, by using frequency and technology. Now, that's far-fetched. I don't think we as Humans have reached that point of understanding and Pseudoscience yet But another worst case scenario Is what if these are being placed Around uh, to help speed the process of death By this pandemic By using it and honing in on its frequency And its pitch And spreading it on an international level And killing more people That's probably just as crazy as the original concept I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Crop formations, or crop circles, as they're commonly known as being called. Who's making them? Why are they making them? Where's the source coming from? Some believe that it's an ancient earthen technology that's been created by some mystical unseen force that science doesn't acknowledge, nor will they even begin to understand or accept it, that's creating these things from the ground up. Others say that it's some celestial being, a hybrid race, a highly technologically advanced race, creating these strange hieroglyphics mixed with geometric patterns. The interesting thing is when coming upon the site of a crop formation, I myself have been to several, when sampling the soil that is within the formation itself, you'll notice that there's a like a soot to it. It becomes almost ashen-like. But at the same time, there's metallic properties that are within the soil all of a sudden. As if it's been distorted, the molecules have been changed. Also, the crops that are within the formation are swollen and slumped over as if heated. Something with extreme heat, a high level of radiation uh, that gives off a metallic residue, uh, is causing these things. And uh, This is not just the ones I've investigated. It's not your typical run-of-the-mill crop circle that some drunken hillbilly made with a two-by-four or they went out with four-wheelers and just ran all over the crops and and made a symbol. This isn't it at all. There are those instances where they've been faked. A circle can easily be faked if it's just that, a circle. But then you have these intricate designs and geometric patterns that would require you to have eyes from above in order to guide you and pinpoint you to where you need to put the crops or bend them or fold them. It would take entirely too many people, entirely too much time, and would easily be seen by anyone in the area when someone's trying to fake it like that to make it that extreme. It's just impossible. Now, the impossible thing or those that can't fathom the reality that some higher celestial race is creating these things from a far off distant area, or maybe they are coming close enough to us and they are cloaked and creating these things to try and communicate with us. And we're just not smart enough to know what the heck they're trying to say. And until we are smart enough to understand what they're trying to convey in these messages, Then maybe we don't really pose a threat to them at all And that's why they're toying with us If we really posed a threat Then I'd say we'd be enslaved by a higher Alien overlord at this point But we're just We're stupid sea monkeys To these beings, if this is the case We're like A group of ants working in a colony We pose zero threat To these beings Which is why they leave these little breadcrumbs Of knowledge for us To hopefully figure out on our own it's entirely possible. I'll leave you with this. I'm going to read an encounter I had in Peebles, Ohio in 2003 involving a crop formation and men in black. Available to order now, my first audio book, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available. And last spring, my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R. L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. On Wednesday, October 8th, 2003, I took another chance at investigating another crop formation in Peebles, Ohio. My first attempt fell short of any research at all due to a failing battery and the fact that I was kindly escorted off the property by three men who claimed to be off-duty officers watching for acts of vandalism. During my second attempt, I brought my camcorder again, this time with a backup battery. When I arrived near the property, I pulled into the parking lot of the Serpent Mound Park This is directly across from the formation. There wasn't a soul for miles, no vehicles of any type, no wind. The sky was clear that day, and there was no visible wildlife. I powered up my camcorder as I walked into the field. The second that I set foot within the formation, my camera went black. I began to feel the same static feeling and the ache in my jaw as I did during my visit to the formation in Bainbridge, Ohio. I was almost knocked to the ground by a powerful gust of wind as it began to get colder. A voice shot out from behind me saying, You're going to need to come out of there now, please. I turned around with whip action to see a very tall, very pale man. He was well built, wearing a state trooper uniform, without an ID badge, a hat, or a gun. He was wearing dark sunglasses. However, he just appeared out of thin air. There were no vehicles other than my own anywhere near either of us. It was almost as if he popped up out of the ground, fell from the sky, or teleported from an alternate dimension. "'I'm sorry. I wasn't aware that this was still a no trespassing zone,' I said to the officer. He replied, "'Turn off the camera. Come away from the field and get in your car, please.' I was shocked that he was so calm and collected about the whole ordeal. "'Am I breaking any laws by being here?' I'm just researching the area. Turn off the camera, get in your car, and go home. I will not report this if you comply, the officer replied. Finally, I walked out of the field and turned off my camcorder, as if it were really doing me any good with two failing batteries. I walked past the supposed officer, and all he did was stand in the same position that he had been standing in the entire time. His arms were folded, and his head turned to follow me as I walked by him. It was like walking past the Terminator. I got in my car and pulled out of the parking lot. There were still no other vehicles in sight. There was no way that he would have walked all the way from the police station. I drove past him and watched his movements in my rearview mirror. He turned around and walked directly into the field, then vanished into knee-high crops. I panicked. Where in the world could he have gone? I came to a screeching halt, and then I backed up my car to the same spot where he had been standing. Instantly, on that very spot, my car died, and then it came back on after I attempted to start it. My digital meter display was showing all E's, no numbers. All of my radio stations had been reset, and my camera was working again. This time, it displayed full power. My wristwatch was behind the time by five and a half minutes, and my cell phone was wiped clear. The man who was supposedly an officer was missing. There was no sign of him anywhere in that field. I took off without looking back on the way home. I called the local police in the area and explained the entire event to their dispatcher. He listened and seemed very interested. He went on to tell me about an onslaught of calls that he had received about UFO sightings within the last 24 hours and people calling and claiming to see strange animals and other bizarre encounters in the area. He believed me and said that he knows for a fact that the area that I was in was not zoned off and I had every right to be there, seeing as how I had permission from the landowner. He knew that there would be no reason for one of his guys or a state trooper to be within that area at that time. He wondered if that guy might be some loon impersonating an officer. I'm left wondering if the individual that I encountered was not a being of this realm, but possibly from another realm entirely. Millions of people gawked at the recent discovery of a triangular prism, fabricated in shiny metal and as tall as an elephant, erected in a remote Utah canyon. Careful scrutiny of imagery on Google Earth indicated that the monolith has actually been sitting unnoticed in the beehive state for about five years. There's no signature, No bronze plaque to indicate its purpose or providence. Recently, a second monolith appeared in eastern Romania. Then a third in California. Then the Utah monolith disappeared. This week, a group of people destroyed the California monolith. These people were, no surprise at all, Trump supporters. They did this while ranting about Jesus and the Antichrist nationalism, and making racist jokes about it. How the monoliths relate to any of these things is beyond me, but find a foreign enemy to deplore, let them eat war. So says one of my favorite, all-time favorite punk bands, Bad Religion. And two more have popped up since then. One in England and another just yesterday in Africa. Many commentators have suggested that well-known installation artists are the perpetrators, although no one has come forth to accept their praise or the blame. But are we really sure that artists should get the credit? Imaginative people have another idea. The monoliths could be artifacts planted by aliens, perhaps beings who are somehow familiar with Stanley Kubrick's iconic 1968 movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey. In that celebrated film, extraterrestrials install a monolith on Earth that a few hundred thousand years ago managed to fast-forward evolution by nudging our hooting ape-like ancestors towards greater intelligence. Later in the movie, a second monolith is discovered buried on the moon. It directs space-faring humans to Jupiter's moon Europa for additional enlightenment. These seemingly solid monoliths are apparently quite versatile and able to violate some fundamental tenets of Darwinian evolution. To start, we have to consider the shipping costs. Even the nearest star system is more than four light years away, and that's the minimum distance to any alien neighbors. But whether they are near or far, the FedEx charges will be hefty. According to my, well, very approximate calculations, the cost of transporting a 100 pound monolith to our solar system at one-tenth the speed of light, really slow in other words, could well be over $800 million, assuming the aliens pay 13 cents per kilowatt hour for energy the same rate charged by the average American utility company. My point is, it hardly makes sense for aliens to send us inert hunks of riveted metal that have no purpose other than to puzzle the recipients. Such monoliths have little use beyond typing or tying up your horse. Sending high-tech devices, phasers, communicators, or tricoders ...to name some iconic hardware from Star Trek. And that would be more practical uh, as far as a present would go. And while it's possible the aliens would offer us such devices... ...it seems improbable. Any society advanced enough to make an interstellar porch drop... ...is going to be at a technological level that dwarfs us. Bequeathing humanity's sophistication... ...the alien hardware would be akin to you going back in time two millennia and handing Julius Caesar your iPhone. Impressive, but useless. The one thing of value the aliens could give us is information. Their technology would be something we couldn't replicate any more than Thomas Edison could build a laptop. But knowledge is something else. It wouldn't be easy to understand what they have to teach us, but it's not impossible. To get an idea of what this means, imagine turning the situation around. Suppose humans traveled some far off planet and delighted a race of intelligent aliens with all the information on the internet currently uh, reckoned at around 40 trillion gigabytes. Okay, you're thinking, that's as useless as a monolith. They won't understand English, Drew, but they could use the best computers. They have to sort through that mass of information to find redundancies, things that occur over and over. For example, they would see lots of images of something that's furry and frequently falls off countertops. Next to this visual material, they would see the cryptic set of characters, that being a cat, which this type, it's within this type of approach, their computers could quickly assemble a dictionary of nouns, and even a few verbs. Eventually, they could learn much from this material, some of which would inevitably be useful. Information is the most valuable thing one intelligent species can give to another. As far as we know, and uh, despite the fact that the Utah monolith spent five years sitting in the sun, none of the various lizards that scurried around it were nudged towards uh, greater enlightenment or a higher level of intelligence. So by Kubrick standards, the Utah monolith was a dud. Maybe the one in Romania will do better. But for those who are wondering what actual gifts from aliens might look like, you'll have to keep your eyes and minds open. Just don't count on a shining pillar in the sand. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. I'm Neil Parks. This has been the holiday special. I hope you enjoyed it. Tried to keep it short and sweet. Which is something that I felt needed to be shared and discussed. Especially since I got tons of requests about it. So here you go. Enjoy. Have a great holiday season. Happy Hanukkah starts this week. Merry Christmas on the twenty fifth of December. And for those who celebrate Kwanzaa, Merry Kwanzaa to you. And then there's the festivus for the rest of us, those who don't celebrate either holiday. Whatever it is, keep your family close, keep your masks on, wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer, and we'll get through 2021. Thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>